Hey everyone, welcome back to the Online Course Master Show. It's Phil Ebner here with uh, an amazing guest, Rod Moore. And this is the show where you are going to learn how to create, launch, and promote your own online course business. Jeremy is unfortunately not in the house today during this recording. He is busy, but I am happy to be here with Rod. So first off, Rod, thank you so much for being on the show. He's coming in from Brisbane and woke up early to be here with me. So I know I really appreciate it. I know all of our guests really appreciate it. Uh, So yeah, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Really appreciate the uh, opportunity to have a chat to you. Yeah. So uh, a couple highlights that I know about you so far that are going to get people really excited is that you're averaging uh, recently over $10,000 a month with your online course business. You have a very similar approach to your course business as I do, which is putting your courses on your own platform, having them also on places like Udemy and Skillshare. Uh, And one of the most exciting things that that I get excited about talking to people like you is you're teaching a creative skill, uh, art. It's not a core. You're not teaching courses on business or marketing or, or tech. These other, you know, topics that people think you need to teach to make money online. So it's pretty impressive that you've turned your, your painting into a six figure business. Uh, but let's go back and talk a little bit. I want to hear your story about w- where were you before you started teaching online courses and what were you doing and how did you get to teaching online? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, it's an interesting journey. Uh, If you go back 2008, I was actually a marketing consultant and I was uh, in London. I I wasn't an artist at all. I'd never painted anything in my life or even picked up a brush. You know, in fact, I hadn't even been in a gallery. So, in 2008, I was in London on business, and I had a full, you know, schedule of appointments. And I walked out of one appointment, and I got a beep on my mobile phone. My next appointment cancelled, and I had like two hour window. And I look up and I'm standing right in front of one of London's oldest galleries, the Tate Britain Gallery. And I thought, I've never been in the gallery. Maybe I should go in and, you know, kill some time. So I walked in there and um, two hours later, I was just mesmerized by all these, you know, old oil paintings on the wall. And I thought, I had this little intuitive nudge that one day I'm going to become an artist, you know. And um, that thought sort of lingered, but then the other voice sort of talked me out of it. But that was really the start of the journey. And at that point, I was already involved with information marketing and publishing information products through my marketing coaching business. Uh, But the idea of creating an online course as such hadn't really occurred to me at that point. I was doing, you remember the old box of home study programs with the folder and the DVD? So that was the the mode that I was in back then and um, producing information products for business owners. And you know, that was a sort of the very start of my journey. And that thought about becoming an artist lingered in my mind. And it wasn't really until 2011, well, actually November 2010, I did my very first oil painting and I was hooked on it. And so I just had this overwhelming desire to become a full-time working artist. Uh, But I you know, you hear so many stories about the starving artist and there's no money in art and, you know, and and that didn't really gel with me to be in that mode of being a starving artist. I, I wanted to be a successful artist. If I was going to make a transition from being in small business to becoming an artist, I wanted to become a successful artist and, and I knew that there had to be a way to do that. And so I, I, I struggled to get 
going, learning how to paint. It took a number of years, obviously. But along that journey in those early years, I saw this guy called Bob Ross on YouTube. Right? So YouTube is really just starting to get going and, and content. So everyone would know Bob Ross with the big Afro hair, right? <laughs> and I looked at him and I thought, wow, what an interesting – I'd never heard of him before, um, even though he'd been on TV in America 20 years earlier. I looked at him, I thought, what an interesting guy. Here he is in 30 minutes teaching a full painting project. Um, maybe that's the way to do it, you know, TV and, and start teaching because I, I was a natural teacher. I enjoyed teaching and coaching and so on. And I thought, well, how do you get a TV show? I mean, you know, there's nothing like that here in Australia. Um, but it, just that seed had been planted in my mind. And then literally about a week later, I'm watching TV. You know, at the end of the day, I'm sitting down watching TV. And my wife was in the kitchen. And an ad comes on. Uh, I was watching community TV, which is uh, – big here in Australia. I guess you have a similar thing there in the States. Um, so this ad comes on and says, hey, how would you like to make a TV show? Literally two or three days later, you know. And um, so I leaned across the couch and I said to my wife, hey, Sue, how would you love, like to make a TV show? And she shouts out from the kitchen, yeah, that sounds good because I've always been one of these ideas type people, you know. I've got the idea of the day kind of program. And she goes, yeah, that sounds good. And then a couple of nights later, we're sitting in a seminar where they're, t you know, talking about how do you create a TV show. There's 500 people in the room and we're in the front row. And the head of the TV station gets up and he says, um, art shows, we desperately need more art shows. And so I looked at her and, and we thought, well, let's just do this, you know. Um, but I had no idea how to make a TV show. So we went back into sort of a, how are we going to do this? How are we going to pull it off? Um, in my mind, you needed you know, expensive studios and things like that. Well, about three weeks later, I'm working in this little art gallery in Geelong where I was living at the time. And it was a little community gallery, a co-op type thing of artists. And this guy walks in the front door and I overheard him talking to one of the other artists. He said, I've just arrived in the country and uh, I'm from Ireland and I'm looking to get networked in the community here and I've got a TV camera. And I used to produce wedding videos. So one thing led to another. We, we partnered together and within about three months, we had a TV show teaching painting here in Australia, went right around the country. Um, so that was sort of the cart before the horse, if you know what I mean, because I didn't actually have a business model behind that. Uh, but that started the journey. That was my first entry into producing content, you know, video-based content around teaching people how to paint. Um, there are so many parts of that that for me are so interesting. I mean, what you just said about this guy coming into the art studio or gallery and saying, hey, I've got a camera. Uh, do you, you know, looking for someone to work with or get his foot in the door? The, on a different note, that's what I've, I'm always telling people to do in my own courses on video production and video business is like, go to your local businesses and pitch, you know, even for free, just, hey, you have the skill most local businesses don't have that specific skill or that equipment to put together videos. And so for anyone listening who does video production, that's a great way to get started. Um, but also the whole community TV aspect of it is I started way back when I was in high school, there was a community <laughs> station and it was a lot, it sounds like it was maybe a little bit smaller uh, because there was no sort of uh, seminars with 500 people talking about this, but it was, you know, a local channel for the three towns near us. And I remember seeing the ads on TV saying, hey, like, do you want a, your own show? 
pitch us your ideas. So in high school, my buddy and I pitched the idea of we're just going to do a talk show about baseball because that was what we loved. And we call we ended up doing it. It was called Baseball Talk. So very <laughs> self-explanatory. And we ended up doing that for three years. And that's how I got into video production, which led me all the way to where I am today. The other thing that's kind of crazy to me about your story is how late you got into to painting. Now, I would have assumed that you would have been painting your entire life, that this would have been something you did professionally before you started teaching. But like so many other people and like some of the peop- things that I teach, I you're teaching something that you're just passionate about and you're relatively new to. Um, and it's proof that you don't have to have the university degree or the PhD to be able to truly help people and teach people a skill. So again, so you start, you said your first oil painting was 2011? Uh, November, 2010. Yeah. 2010. Um, And then when was the first, yeah. When was the first class that you, you taught? Uh, So what happened in, in, 2011, my father became ill and, and passed away sort of in March. So that first half of 2011, I really didn't do anything. But after he passed away, I thought to myself, you know, life's short and um, you really got to follow what you love, you know, rather than working in jobs that you maybe not fully satisfied in. So I enrolled in a Bill Alexander um, teaching program. So Bill Alexander taught Bob Ross and um, he was his mentor. So they had a teaching program. I enrolled in that. And by the end of 2011, I'd done my first two practice um, pro, you know, teaching classes. They were actual physical workshops. And that was around about the same time when the TV show launched, which was late 2011, that first TV show. And so, yes, I really got rolling, I guess, early 2012 doing the one-day workshops uh, which were really invaluable because they taught me about how people learnt mm-hmm. and what worked in teaching people. If I'd never done those original physical workshops, then I don't think my skills as a teacher through the video courses would have been as great, you know, because it gave me a, a huge insight to where people struggled with the painting process. And you have to remember at this time, I was still learning to paint myself. You know, painting takes a decade really to get really good at it. And so I'm still really a student myself. But I figured if I was a couple of steps ahead of people, then, you know, that I had a, um, a some sort of knowledge to teach them. So I focused on beginners, yeah. absolute beginners, never picked up a brush before. But what I found is in teaching that Bob Ross, Bill Alexander style, it was still too complicated. You know, my students would go to the art store, which is what I would do, and there's 150 different colors and brushes and they'd buy 35 colors and they'd go home and not have any idea how to mix it. So over the next three to six months, recognizing that students were overcomplicating the process, I started to strip everything away. So I reduced it back to three colors, three brushes and three steps. And when I started doing that, that simplification of the process everything changed. My students started to get much better results. The outcome in the workshops were better. And so I started to refine that methodology and called it the more method of painting. And from that point, everything took off, you know, and that's, that's when it really started to snowball. So around about the middle of 2012, we recorded the second series of a TV show. It was actually, we changed the name and the format wasn't quite right. So I filmed that one myself uh, in my spare bedroom 
And um, <laughs> I bought a camera, you know, and, and, and got it set up and um, filmed that second series, which was 12 episodes. But because I'd set up the bedroom as a studio, I also then went on and filmed the first teaching product because having come from a business background, I knew that doing one-day workshops wasn't a great business model. You know, mm-hmm. it was trading time for money. And I wanted a highly leveraged business model. So I knew that I had to productize and um, turn that into, uh, you know, an income stream that I could get paid on over and over, which is obviously what we're here to talk about. So I filmed the 12 episodes of the next TV series. And then at the same time, I filmed the first product, which was uh get started painting. And originally that was a, again, a physical product that I'd ship out to people. So people were watching the TV show. How do I get more info? And I'd send them out this product. Um, but I quickly realized that having to go to the post office again, you know, was not what I wanted to be doing. So that's when we started to turn that into an online course at at around about late 2012. And, um, the great thing is Phil, I still get paid for that first course today, which, uh, I'm extremely grateful for. I mean, probably like you with some of your courses, I look back at it now and I cringe a little (laughs) Um, because not only was the course production side of it and my teaching ability not what it is today, but also my painting ability as well. So, you know, it needed some improvement, but I still get paid on it today and people still love it. So... Yeah, no, I have the same feelings. I still get paid for my first courses and yeah, it's great. It's it's amazing that recurring income that you can make. And as you build more and more courses, it just helps grow the, the overall revenue every month. So do you remember how much you were making with the sort of physical, the DVDs or whatever you were selling at, at that time? Yeah, I think I was selling it for $97 and um, plus shipping. And yeah, how much I was making, I was probably making about $50, $60 by the time I went down and printed it and copied eight DVDs and so on. Yeah, so probably about $50 I was making off that first one. And we were selling quite a few, um, but it wasn't a sustainable business model doing it that way. Um, Yeah, Yeah. so it, it was a start, yeah. So when you decided, hey, this makes sense to go online, what... What was that transition? What platform did you end up using to begin with? Um, and how how did that go with transitioning to online? Yeah, so uh, that happened 2013. Um, so in my previous experience with a marketing consultancy, I, I had a little bit of WordPress knowledge. So I set up a WordPress website. And at the time, it was more art school. So it was branded to me. And I, uh, I I think I was using DAP, the pl- plugin, membership plugin DAP. And so I started just setting up pages where they could download the product and, and little sales pages on that and then started adding other courses to it. I think I did a basic landscape painting course and a, a basic seascape painting course. And um, I would sell them, you know, in the product launch type model where you'd open it up for a period of time and um, – push the sales process during that and then close it down. And I made a few mistakes then because I was creating like six week courses and I was giving people homework to send back to me. Mm-hmm. And again, that wasn't really scalable because, you know, if you've got a hundred people in a six week program, I, I became inundated with all this, you know, feedback and correspondence. Yep. So it wasn't still quite right, that model, but it was a start, you know, and I kept, as you said, each course I added, added more revenue, uh, but it was at that point, it wasn't recurring revenue. And that was a mistake as well that I, I 
had to work out how to get to a point where I could offer a, a membership type model, which um, changed a lot of things for me later on. Yeah, cool. And so that was on WordPress. And um, you, I know you mentioned or you submitted some info to me earlier. You, you have like an email list of 25,000 people right now. Uh, back mm. then, who were the people you were selling to? Did you have an email list? And how big was it? And yeah, who were those people? This episode and all of our episodes are sponsored by the Online Course Masters Academy, the one and only place you need to become an online course master yourself. With over two dozen courses that tackle every aspect of running a successful online course business, a private community of students like you, and bonuses like live office hours and webinar trainings, we've built the Online Course Masters Academy for anyone creating their very first online course and for anyone more advanced looking to increase their business and brand. Visit onlinecoursemasters.com academy to join today. Yeah, so uh, back then, most of my audience came from the TV shows. So having had two TV shows that were 13 episodes and they were primetime you know, TV, uh, that gave me an, an instant audience. I just didn't have a business model behind it, um, which is, in hindsight, not, not the best idea, but it was a starting point. And um, I, I built a bit of a, a list in Aweber of a couple of thousand people. So that's where the audience was coming from. But I didn't really have a marketing, um, you know, way of building an audience or building uh, a database at that point beyond the TV show. And the TV show wasn't sustainable. Um, community TV was losing its funding in Australia and and also the the uh, the eyeballs, you know, the, the people's attention was being diluted as more and more social media came into play. So I, I looked forward into the future and thought, the TV show is not really the best model to get going. It gave me a lot of instant audience, but I couldn't see how to scale it beyond a fan base that would have been attracted to that show. Uh, so what happened was around about that time, my wife became ill. Um, that was well, yeah, about 2015. So I was still very much part-time. Um, up to this point, I was doing consulting and marketing and so on and building this thing on on the side, but it was a bit hit and miss and it was – a passion and I was trying to get it going, but I wasn't really sure, um, probably not paying enough focus and energy into it really at that point. Um, so around about 2015, my wife became ill and she moved up here to Queensland because her body couldn't cope with the cold where we were and, uh, left me behind in, in Geelong. And, you know, long story short, I had to sell the house that took twice as long as we thought, it took nearly a whole year. And, um, it meant I couldn't paint because my the house had to be spotless clean for, you know, selling it. And so for nearly a year, I did nothing. Um, and then I moved up to Queensland with her in, I think it was mid-2016. So I had this kind of business that I'd been playing with, mm -hmm. if you like, and I had a few products and so on, probably four or five products at that stage. And when I got up here to Queensland about three and a half years ago, um, I thought to myself, okay, I've really got to kick this up and, and get it going because um, I could see the potential. And I, I think I was introduced to Udemy at around about that time, which is when I first found you, Phil, and I enrolled in a couple of your courses. And um, so I thought, okay, how am I going to grow the database? You know, it all comes down to 
how many eyeballs are seeing you. And Facebook ads were just starting to really come to their own, you know, as a great platform. And I was watching people like Frank Kern and so on, you know, advertise heavily. And I thought, how do I make this work for me? And so the worst thing I did was just start paying for ads to a lead capture page without a monetization strategy behind that because I quickly blew thousands of dollars, right? So I thought, how am I going to monetize this on the front end? to build an audience and, and make a profit on on the lead generation side of it. So I took the half dozen, I think it was maybe five or six courses that I'd previously created over the previous years. And, um, and I added a few other things to it. Like I'd collected thousands of photos um, as reference material for me to paint. Mm-hmm. So I bundled that in and I'm, I created this offer called the, um, the insanity sale. And I made this really crazy video and I said, like, I've lost my mind. And I linked it in with some of my travels overseas to, to find material to paint and and, um, and made this whole story around it. And that one offer, you know, had the bundle of those products changed absolutely everything for me because now I could pay a dollar for a Facebook ad and I could get back a dollar twenty. And so I started making profit on the front end. And, um, and, and once was, that got, a, was that a simple funnel going from the ad to that sales page? Uh, no, I, I initially tried that. It didn't really work with my audience because my audience are, you know, 55 plus mm-hmm. females generally. That's probably 80% of my audience. And um, up until that point, it was all Australian. So now I'm going into a global marketplace. And so understanding different um, the way different markets responded was important. So initially I tried that, but it didn't really work because their instant reaction was this guy's just trying to sell me something, right? So I had this little free course on the front end. I'd offer that as a, you know, through the Facebook ad. And then I tried the one-time sale, you know, get it now kind of approach didn't work. So what I found out I had to do was let them go through the free course. And I, I structured it over five days and then, you know, a bit of a trail of other emails after that over the next week or two, and then start a, a, um, a campaign to then sell that insanity sale. And that worked once, mm-hmm. once I got that working. So it meant that I was monetizing the, uh, the lead generation about two to three weeks past what I was, you know, the time when I was spending the money. Got it. So the ads were pointing towards the free course itself. Correct. Yeah. Got which it. is a model I still use today. Yeah. But and that insanity sale has that changed to I know I see now you have learned to paint dot academy and I'll include links to all of your your website and Udemy Skillshare page for everyone listening. Uh, this is going to be onlinecoursemasters.com slash ninety four for episode ninety four. But yeah, is that sale still live or have you transitioned to something else now? No, that sale is still a front end of my funnel and still makes sales every week. So, um, yeah, I've left it alone. And, uh, yeah, so I've, I've rebranded to learn to paint. So I've dropped the more art school because I started to get a big picture of it. And I think it was in one of your videos or something you talked about, maybe on a podcast, you mentioned Teachable. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think I signed up to a course that you had on Teachable maybe. And so then I thought, okay, I could see the potential of building a multi-instructor platform. Um, but I have thought I can't really do that under the more art school brand. I needed a more generic brand. So I rebranded to Learn to Paint Academy. And um, and I've been building that platform to the point where I've got enough courses now. I think I've got 25 different courses and about 100 different painting projects in there. 
Yep. And so I'm just getting to that point now where I'm going to go out and look for other art teachers to bring their courses in and, and create a platform where it's multi-instructor. Um, so that's the next sort of phase of growth for us. Very cool. And I see, uh, at least right now on my end, your your monthly price is 27 about 27 bucks a month, um, mm-hmm. or you also have a quarterly and annual membership. Um, can you kind of explain, because you have your courses on Udemy and Skillshare and your own platform, what's kind of the split between what platforms are bringing in the most revenue at this point for you? Yeah. So uh, Udemy does about 10% of my revenue and Skillshare would be about 5%. Um, so the vast majority of it is definitely my own platform. Got it. Um, Got it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm experimenting with a few different things on Udemy because, you know, the great thing about Udemy is that you can get, create awareness amongst a market that maybe wouldn't have found you through the Facebook ads or through YouTube. Um, so I'm experimenting with offering a free course at the moment just to grow the eyeballs. Um, but yeah, it's about 10% of my revenue there right now. And uh, at the moment, I'm ramping up towards October. Mm -hmm. Um, for the Black Friday through to January sales period. So I'm probably going to add another five or six courses there. But I've struggled with the concept of if I put my courses onto Udemy, the pricing differentials, and that's been a real challenge. So now the way I create my courses is uh, I create them so that they're modular. And I offer the same course on Learn to Paint Academy. But when I put them up onto Udemy and Skillshare, I'm only putting a third of that course up there. So mm-hmm. um, the mistake sense. I used to make, yeah, and I think that model is a good way to move forward into the future. One of the, the mistakes I used to make is in, in the course, I would reference the coming module. Yeah. So, you know, if I put that up onto Udemy as a, as a third of the overall course, then people would hear that and they'd wonder where that next module is. So I've, I've drop that out of my dialogue so that I don't reference what's coming up in the next section of the course. So that way I can take pieces of the course and package it differently um, so that I'm offering a lot more value on my platform than through Udemy. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And that's that's the beauty of what you're teaching, which is very project-based. So you can create those modules and yeah, put some on Skillshare, Udemy, then have the bulk and the best kind of option on your own site. I think a lot of mm. people struggle with that with if they do put their courses on Udemy and Skillshare, how do they differentiate it? So they put it on their own site. And my commonly my advice is, well, you need to make something more int- if it's going to be a different price point or like a membership model on your own site, you have to do something to differentiate it, whether it's additional content or you're giving bonuses like office hours or coaching or something like that. But that's nice doing this uh, this method with you. Um, so from the beginning, what has your strategy been with creating all the different courses that you have um, in terms of coming up with those those topics, I, I I mean I can kind of assume that if someone is interested in art or acrylic painting, like you teach, or oil painting, they're just going to be interested in a lot of different you know just projects and the next course and the next course. But do you have a strategy right now where you're you're coming up with your course topics? Yeah, I mean that's a really interesting question. Um, so I've got a, a fairly active Facebook page. I've got. 
11,000 members there. And so I tend to do a lot of surveys and, uh, and things like I'll, I'll do a painting just for me, for my own you know, learning and so on, but I'll post it up on my Facebook page and I'll say things like, I'm thinking about doing this as a future course. You know, let me know if this would interest you. Leave a yes in the comments. So I'll do things like that. And if I get 20 or 30 yeses, then I think, okay, that's an idea for the future. And, uh, but also I, I do, live streams. So I've set up my studio now where I've got a four camera shoot and I can control it all through vMix and and a little control pad. So I'm doing a lot more live stream and I interact with them there. And the questions that they ask is a real insight as to, you know, what courses I should be creating. So as an example, I've been doing a lot more palette knife work. And so when when I do that on live stream, I always get the, the comments and the questions you know, I struggle with the palette knife. I don't know how to use it. So because that comes up as a recurring theme, um, that's going to be a course we're releasing in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so that's, you know, surveying my own audience. I do mm-hmm. quite a lot of that, but just interacting with them and listening to their questions and their challenges has been a real insight. Um, and I also get a lot of comments. Uh, I encourage people to leave comments in the Teachable platform, mm-hmm. the Learn to Paint Academy. And again, through those comments, I, I get an understanding as to what they are interested in and, and what they want to learn more about. Yeah. Great. All good ideas. And that Facebook page, is it a group or a page? It's a page at the moment, but I'm about to uh, create a group. Okay. Um, and I've, I've been seeding that idea through live stream just to see what, if there's interest there for that. And uh, yeah, there's pretty strong interest in them being able to communicate amongst themselves and to have it more interactive. So yeah. uh, in the next week or so, I'm going to launch a group and, and really uh, push that along as well, because I think the group will pull in a lot more organic traffic mm-hmm. than what the page is at the moment. So yeah, I know for me, and I think you are uh, on Facebook, there's a lot more options for how you engage with the group. And I know with pages, not everyone sees your posts. And with groups, uh, I think a lot of like those surveys and things you you do will be a lot more visible to group members. So I think that is a great idea. So I'm thinking about Anybody who teaches, who does art themselves right now or any sort of creative skill that, you know, they're doing it with their hands. It's not like a computer program or on the computer. Specifically, I'm thinking about my mom who does art and we, I helped her put together her first art for kids class last year. Um, but what, what's your setup, um, for in terms of tech, like your camera and like, how do you structure your actual lessons in terms of, are you, teaching while you paint? Are you doing voiceover after you paint? Is it one long take for the entire project? Do you cut things up? Kind of what does it, what are you using to create your courses? And then what does like a lesson look like? Yeah, sure. Um, So it's taken me quite a while to work out the ideal setup, but I've basically at the moment, I've got uh, a studio where I drive it all through vMix broadcast software. So I've got a dedicated PC for that. And uh, I've then got two main cameras, one which is where I can stand in front of the easel and talk directly to the camera. Um, so I, I use that for, you know, the intros and outros and things like that. Then I've got a second camera, which is uh, zoomed in on just the painting, the canvas. I've got another camera, which is uh, zoomed in on the palette. And then I can set up different scenes through vMix where I've got a mix of the palette and uh a photo of the reference material and the canvas. So I can mix that in as a scene and I control it all through an Elgato um, little keyboard pad, which um, I just program it. So I can change the scenes just by pressing a button. And 
So I'm, I'm doing it live. So I'm mm-hmm. not doing a voiceover. I'm actually talking through the project as I go. And you're changing the, the shots and everything while you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll do a face to camera as an intro, then I'll click on scene three and then I'll talk them through the palette and then click on scene four. So it took me a little bit of a while to work all that out. But now that I've got it set up, um, you know, it works really well. And I can stream through the vMix software using that same system and I can record it. So I then break up, let's say I'm going to do a painting project. I break it up in in sort of sections. So I've got the intro, then I've got step one of the more method, which is your drawing. Step two, the blocking. Step three is the finishing touches, right? And then, and then a conclusion. So every project takes that sort of format. Uh, so I do two things. I do projects, um, which members can access. And I also do courses. So within a course, I might have three or four projects Mm -hmm. and some other instructional material. So I do break it up into little segments rather than just record one hour and a half long painting um, because then it becomes a challenge for editing and so on. It's far easier to edit 15-minute segments, I found. Um, So, But because of the setup I've got now, I don't do a lot of editing. And this is something that's that's really helped. Yeah, I'm basically editing on the fly, whereas I used to take one camera angle when I, you know, a couple of years ago, um, I'd do one camera shoot and then I'd have to crop in and crop out and mm-hmm. you know, it was never quite as slick as what it could have been. So my productivity has gone, gone right up now that I don't have to edit that much. I still have to cut out the odd cough and, and so on. Um, or if the, you know, the courier comes to the door and I have to go out and, <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's always something um, or the cat knocks over the paint or whatever, yeah. <laughs> right? There's always something I have to edit out, but but my editing time is only 10% of what it used to be, and um, it's made me far more productive in, in terms of producing courses and, and projects, yeah. That's awesome. And what cameras are you using um, for the, for all of the- I've got a... That, yeah, yeah, I've got a... My main camera is a Canon XF105. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, a pretty decent sort of camera. And then I've got a couple of Panasonic uh, 4K cameras, um, which I've just bought recently. And I'm just using a webcam for my palette camera. I need to upgrade that camera. But um, yeah, and they're just all HDMI um, converters into into the PC via USB. Cool. Wow. Yeah, that seems like a super streamlined process for you to create courses um, and do your live streaming and everything. And that's, that's, I think the dream for everyone is to have that kind of setup just ready to go whenever you're ready to create a course or jump online or anything. So that's really awesome. Uh, So what other marketing are you doing? You talked about, well, you have your Facebook page and you have an email list. Are you, I think you mentioned, but are you still doing the Facebook ads? And then are you doing anything else to really grow your, your audience at this point? Yeah, so um, I have a YouTube channel as well. I've got about 17, 16 and a half thousand subscribers on there. So what I was doing up until just recently, I was recording a project every week, so an hour and a half project. And so members would get access to that full project, but then I would edit it down into a 25-minute segment and I'd put that up on YouTube for free to build the audience. Yeah. And that worked well. Um, the biggest problem with it was the editing time every week and and the commitment to have to create a, you know, I was still operating on the TV show model. So every week I wanted to create a TV show type Mm -hmm. of thing. And I've got a website, learn to paint.tv where I'd put it up on there as well. And I got up to about 82 episodes of doing that. 
Um, but I've just stopped that over the last month and I'm rethinking through whether that's the right strategy going forward because the the gains, um, you know, every episode I put up was – it wasn't having as big an impact as I'd hoped on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, it was getting viewers, but I, my – my number of leads coming through YouTube never really grew. It was sort of like this steady, you know, 20 or 30 a week coming through that channel. Whereas I know that the Facebook ads are you know, infinitely more scalable if you get the funnel right behind it yeah. and you can turn a profit on it. So um, funnily enough, I just went to a uh, – Facebook just did a roadshow around regional Australia and went to a full-day um, event with them last week. And they're really pushing video, you know, because the text within ads is, is shrinking mm-hmm. and they're really pushing the video. So now I'm thinking, okay, I need to get really creative with video ads, um, mm-hmm. minute-long video ads. So I'm over the next month, that's what I'm going to roll out is a whole series of video ads um, so I can test and measure what works, what doesn't, and then scale back up my Facebook ads. So that's really, to me, I think that's the greatest opportunity, you know, online course creators has right now is Facebook ads and and then building a community around the audience that you attract through those Facebook ads. And that's where all my focus is. I'm, I'm actually dropping back on, um, on YouTube because one of the challenges with YouTube for me, I don't know if it's the same with other you know, course creators, but one of the biggest challenges I've found is that there's a lot of really good artists on YouTube and um, it's difficult to get noticed in there. Like if you look under acrylic painting, I'm probably in the top 100, Mm -hmm. but getting into that top 10% is difficult. Whereas if I can pay my way there and and have a model that's self-funding then and scale that right up because there's not many really good artists paying for advertising on Facebook right now. So I see that as, as a far more, you know, much more opportunity there. So I'm yeah. putting everything into Facebook this from this point forward. Yeah, I see YouTube is, is good for building an audience and for all of us to put content there. But the successful YouTubers, I mean, that's what they do. They do YouTube and that's, that's it. I mean, a lot of successful YouTubers, they don't even have another like big business or anything outside of just YouTube as their business. They do different brand deals. They try to monetize their YouTube channel, but it takes that kind of full-time effort to really stand out and and to keep up because with YouTube, people are expecting just constant, constant videos and stuff, which I found to be difficult myself to to keep up with. Uh, so your mar- you have this marketing background and I, we only have a few minutes left, but I want to touch upon your your background and what is working right now with your funnel and what have you seen? I mean, I'm asking this for myself and for everyone else, but, but also you have your, your membership priced at 27 bucks around uh, per month. And I've stuck with this super cheap, super inexpensive $9 a month membership, partly because I see it as attractive to people, but I know I probably should increase that. So, so I guess that's a two part question is like, how have you tested other prices and has that, why do, why are you choosing those prices? And then also just in terms of your funnel right now for getting people into your membership, I don't know, any other tips or what's working, what hasn't worked recently? Yeah, so there's a couple of things I'll um, I'll mention. One of the the best things that I've done in the last year or so, and that's really kicked my income up, is I started offering. Um, well, let me backtrack. When I when I decided I wanted to create a proper broadcast studio in my garage, so about a year ago, 
Um, I thought, how am I going to fund it? You know, because the outlay was probably seven or eight thousand dollars, and I thought, well, I'll just get my audience to fund it. What can I offer them that's going to be irresistible and get them involved, right? So I did a live stream, and I said, look, guys, this is what I really want to do. I want to, I want to become, uh, you know, live stream a lot more and make it more interactive and have better camera shoots and really sold them the idea that this is going to be great for everyone. And um, and so I offered them a lifetime membership. So, you know, $27 a month over a year, that's going to be nearly $300. Um, but I offered them a lifetime membership at $247. And um, my the uptake on that was huge, you know, because mm-hmm. people had been through a course or two and they'd already paid some money and they, they loved what I was doing. They all bought the the lifetime membership. So I, I um that was my first really big month was when I had that. I reinvested all that money back into the technology and setup. Uh, but then I thought, okay, well, if that worked, it's going to have to work in the future as well. So when people opt in for the free course now, they come to a thank you page within Teachable. And then underneath that, it's got a button, you know, click through to the course. And underneath that, I have a video saying, hey, how would you like to become a lifetime member? And um, that converts at around about 1% to 2%, depending um, on the quality of the traffic coming in. And so that's, that's given me a, an income kick, you know, a little spike every month. I usually get um, you know, half a dozen to 10 or more people take that up. And you said and that's on the free course or when people pay for the monthly membership? That's on the free course. That's on the free course. Yeah. Wow, cool. Yeah. So now what I'm going to do is every six months, I'm going to open up this opportunity to become a lifetime because that's, that's really a one-time only type scenario. You know, when they opt in, they only see that page at once and then it's gone. Um, so if they don't take it up, they don't have another opportunity. So a couple of times a year, I'm going to open it up, become a, a lifetime member and offer it at, at a uh, you know, at that super cheap, I've, I've, they can buy it at four ninety seven, but nobody ever does, right? Mm-hmm. But it's there, and people see it. So when I offer it at two forty seven, it's a great opportunity for people. Um, so that's the first thing that really kicked up my income. But then the other thing I did was I created a nine ninety seven dollar product as well, and um, I sell that you know, fairly consistently. And that has been a huge income kick as well. And what that is, it's a certification program because I created my own methodology, um, the more method of painting. And I had experience in teaching workshops and now online. Um, I attract an audience of hobby artists, but I also attract an audience of people who look at me and what I'm doing and think I'd love to be doing that as an artist, right? So I created a, uh, a certification program where they can become an art teacher as well. And I teach them everything I do with the how to run a workshop, how to teach students. And they also get the rights to teach any of my projects and courses in their own art school. So it's pretty good value and they get full access to everything in the, in the, um, in the Learn to Paint Academy. Mm. And so that's $9.97. And having that higher price point, because originally I was thinking, how do I charge more? You know, if, and these are hobby artists and, and people who are mostly in retirement. Um, it was difficult to figure out how to charge more on the courses end. Um, but that small segment of my market, having a $997 product has been huge. You know, it really has. It's made the difference between, well, those two strategies, the lifetime membership and the 997 um, with those two combined, it's made the difference from having a part-time hobby business to becoming a full-time um, artist. And I can really see now how I can scale it up to you know a seven-figure platform in the next couple of years. So nice. And how are you promoting that the certified instructor program? 
yeah. So basically, it's the same thing. They come into the funnel and then, um, you know, it's just part of the email stream mm-hmm. that I have and in all the communications that I send out. So if I send out like a weekly email um, with updates, I'll always have a mention of it in there. And mm-hmm. when I have people go through that, they then go out and run two test workshops and I get them to send me the photos and then I promote that through all my social media with a link back to the opt-in page for that. So just very subtly dropping it in here and there rather than really pushing it hard. But the ones who are who are engaged and connected and looking at what I'm doing, thinking I'd love to do that, they always find the link. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's very subtle, but they find it. Wow, that's really cool. And as I always tell people to really like see how this works in action, I encourage people to check out Rod's website. Uh, Again, it's learntopaint.academy. You know, sign up for his free course, see what he's doing, see what emails he's sending out, sign up for his membership and monthly membership, test it out, and just I mean, Rod's doing a lot of great stuff. It's successful, and uh, that's one of the best ways to learn. So again, I'm going to include all the links to your website, all the resources you mentioned uh, in the show notes at onlinecoursemasters.com slash 94. Uh, last question is just for, for people who are just getting started out, what's your kind of final piece of advice, uh, maybe specifically to other art teachers who haven't figured it out themselves, they see you again and think, hey, I want to do something like that. What's the best way for them to get started? What's your best advice for them? Yeah, good question, Phil. I think one of the things that I've had to really keep in mind throughout the whole journey, you know, it's been a seven-year journey, is that it's like building a house. You know, you have to put each brick down one by one. And the first few bricks you put down, you don't really see a lot of revenue coming from that. So if you're coming from an employee mindset where you put 40 hours a week in and then you get paid, you know, at the end of the week, you get instant gratification. Um, This business is not that. It's, It's really about building assets and every asset you build, you don't get paid while you're building them, but you get paid a, a, uh, an income trail you know, for as long as you want to, if you set the courses up evergreen and in the right way. So you have to have that vision that it's really a two to three to five year project and you're not going to get paid initially, but every course and every video you film and everything you put out into the marketplace is a, a digital asset and it compounds over time. And if you can just hold on to that vision that, you know, if you keep doing it consistently for long enough, um, then that compounding effect will turn into a six-figure income. Um, you have to believe in that and you have to have that vision and really um, hold on to that because there will be times when you start, you know, creating courses and you think, oh, no one's going to buy this. And you, you sort of start talking yourself out of it and this isn't working and, you know, um, so if you can get that faith that there's a global marketplace, it's the greatest time in history to become a, you know, in the in the online course business, there's never been a better time in, in the history of the world for what we do as an educator and a teacher. Um, if you can hold on to that vision and just be consistent and it's that consistency I think is the key. I mean, you've proven that with your business model um, to get to the number of courses you have and the audience you have, that doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen through inconsistent effort. You have to just every day just plug away at it, you know, even if you create one video a day and um, that's that's been really the secret for me over the last couple of years is that just that consistency every day I get up and I build an asset that, that compounded over time has led me to where I am today and 
and I can really see it, you know, it growing exponentially from here. Very cool. That's amazing advice. Great thoughts. Uh, Rod, it's been such a pleasure having you here. I look forward to seeing where you take this and where when you have your seven-figure biz- year, I would love to have you back on the show and hear what you're up to. Uh, but yeah, best of luck with everything. And again, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Phil. Appreciate the time, Matt. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, make sure you check out onlinecoursemasters.com for show notes, to enroll in our academy, and to join a free community of fellow course creators who can help you out. Also, if you're brand new to teaching online, check out our free five-day course creation challenge. It's the perfect way to jumpstart your online course business. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate your support for the show. Now it's time to get to work. So go make some online courses and help us teach the world.